0: Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for shopify owners nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from ppc and seo through to digital transformation of businesses he's helped hundreds of brands from startup shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode now here's your host nick truman
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. I feel like I say this every single week now, but I'm going to say it again. If you haven't tuned in before, please hit the subscribe button. My name is Nick, and I'm going to be hosting the show today and host pretty much all the shows at the moment. I've got a really good background in PPC SEO marketing, as well as lots of other digital disciplines. And as I think you'd probably just heard on the pre-roll anyway, I'm also the CEO here at Just Ask Parker. We are in the middle of quite an interesting series at the moment. One of the biggest requests we've been getting from listeners of the podcast is to talk to more store owners, to hear how they started up, to hear how they got to where they are today, where they're trying to go tomorrow, and how they dealt with specific challenges that have come up over that time. Apart from last week, which I do recommend listening to, which was a bonus episode on Google Page Speed, which I massively recommend you go back and listen to. It's going to be a really, really important thing for every single e-commerce store, especially when we get into May this year. So if you haven't already... go back and listen to that episode last week the week before as well we had uh, the rare tea company on the podcast who were absolutely brilliant so uh, again jump back and see that um, if you haven't already today however i've got a very special guest his name is dan grief he's the director of deliciously guilt free so dan welcome to the show
2: hey nick it's so great to be here with you today thank you and i just want to say i'm a bit sorry if there's a sound of cartoons in the background i'm uh, homeschooling Spinning a few other plates, do the podcast at the same time. Absolutely fine. I,
1: I hope pretty much everybody listening to this podcast is absolutely used to that sort of thing already. Given that you know we're in COVID, people are working at home. I personally am actually at the office today, which is a bit of a rare treat for me. But we had so much post to pick up, and I've got paperwork to do.
2: Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel you there because I saw your I saw your uh, screen earlier on, and you had a nice, clear, empty office, you, like you just relax there, chill completely. Well, I know you don't even have trousers on, for I could see. But you know, whereas you know, if you know, Schooling is busy, very busy.
1: Well, I can confirm I am wearing trousers today, only because it's a shared office. So he says. <laughs> the only reason. Um, but um, yeah, no, I am just because there's other people in the building. So but okay. anyway, Dan, let's talk about Shopify, given that it's the, the topic of this podcast and what everybody's looking to do. Let's talk about your Shopify business. So do you want to just give us a quick overview to who you are and how you ended up in in, in, in the sort of role you're in today running uh, Deliciously Guilt Free?
2: Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. So basically, I, you know, my wife and I didn't have any experience of, of e-commerce at all, actually. And, you know, we came actually, I came onto this show with Caroline, In March last year, and just to talk a bit about my journey, but I can just go over some of that again because it was a long time ago. So basically, I was teaching. My wife is a doctor, and you know, we just thought wouldn't be cool to just do something in the low carb space. And we are both into low carb and keto, and we thought, you know, we think this is something which we can talk about. I'm sure, but we think this is something that's going to change the world one day. And so we thought it would be great to run a business. And secondly, it's going to sound like a really weird reason, but. Because I've been a teacher, and I've also done other things in the public sector, and my wife works in the NHS, and because I'm involved in politics locally, I just thought, I don't actually know what it's like to have a small business, and I know there's a lot of pressures, and as well as rewards to having your own business, so I'd really like to know what that's like myself. And so in some ways I never really expected things to kind of take off. And yes, yeah, so there's a bit of a shock to me sometimes that, you know, it has gone gone so well. It's been really challenging. And, you know, I take my hat off to anybody who wants to go on this journey themselves because it is, the highs are amazing. The lows are pretty bad as well. But on saying that, I'm so glad I've done it. And it's kind of been, you know, I came into Shopify through Wix and I've kind of learned as I've gone along the best systems, the best ways of doing things. And I absolutely love it because it's become my hobby now. And you know, it's what I do for a living, but I just love every day of doing it. I can certainly vouch as another small business owner in the UK, you
1: just need your first tax return or for another company to call you and say, you know, you seem to be using our logo and our name. And it's just like, as you say, the lows can be so low. And I think people don't appreciate actually how difficult that is, but then equally, sometimes you'll be laying on a beach saying, you know, I've worked so hard this year. And here I am having the holiday of a lifetime with the person I love. And I don't even have to check my emails this afternoon, which um, is a luxury I've still never had, but um, we're, we're heading that way. I lane. can't wait.
2: <laughs> <It sounds laughs> amazing because, okay, to be fair, my business didn't really take off until the lockdown kicked in. So, you know, it's been, in fact, it's my 40th birthday uh, on Friday, the 29th of January. And we- a were- birthday. Cheers. Thank you. And just don't tell anyone. It's just between us, right? Because it's a bit of a big age. <laughs> and, and I talked to my wife last summer about, wouldn't it be great to go to New York and now the business is sort of picking up a little bit. We can have a bit of freedom. Well, going to York, the old version is going to be impossible, let alone New York. But yeah, but I think you're <laughs> right. I want to kind of cash in with that. The hard work, it does mean you get that freedom, that autonomy, which I, I think that is amazing. The fact that I can do my job at any time, day or night, okay, it does mean I work more than probably most, most of the time I would in a normal job. However, It's doing what I love doing. So it's not a challenge in that way. And I just think when lockdown ends, we've got a bit more freedom. I want to be basically sat on a laptop in the Bahamas working my business because I've got the freedom to do that, which I think would be incredible. Sure. See, I wonder if I'm a bit old school because I don't actually want to lay on a beach in the Bahamas or Barcelona
1: or where any of these other places are. I actually like the idea of getting up and being in the office at half past seven every morning and leading a team and a lot of my friends often joke that, you know, Nick's made for business as opposed to business being made for Nick. Um, <laughs> just, just because I, I, I'm a bit old school with that. And actually, a lot, the, a lot of the people we have in the teams at Spec and Park are the two businesses I have. We, all the teams are built around that as well, partly because I'm in charge, but also because I've built that as a bit of a philosophy of a, you know, we turn up, we are professional, we look the part. You know, for example, when lockdown ends, there's a lot of talk of people then working at home more and that sort of thing. Well, we're the opposite. We as a team have voted, actually, we want to get back in the office. We're looking to buy an office in the near future, you know, rather than just rent because we want to grow. And actually, we want to have other companies physically around us. Mm-hmm. So we're looking to find a space that we can hire out and build as a bit of a creative hub in, in Surrey in the UK where we are. You know, so we have we have all these sort of dreams and ambitions as well. And actually, we, we often use the phrase like, you know, we, we don't want to be a Mickey Mouse company. We want to be the kind of company that clients rely on. And when you turn up, you turn up, you're physically there, you're looking smart and, you know, you have your laptop ready and that sort of thing. So e-commerce though is completely different because the e-commerce team are actually either sitting on laptops, working on marketing campaigns or they're, you know dealing with customers or they're in the, the warehouse <laughs>
2: you know running yeah, around exactly, with forwards. exactly and that, that's kind of where deliciously guilt-free is so basically when i was on this podcast previously i think i was actually talking to caroline with the fridge next to me in my living room where i had our orders because we do keto brownies cakes you know low carb uh blondies that sort of thing and basically at that point we were doing everything from our house because you know we were doing this as a side project where uh, we had the rating from the council and everything where i was baking by night had it in sat in the fridge next to me sending it out. And then we just had this most incredible transformation where now 10 months later, we're now in our own commercial kitchen. I've got staff, they're working for me and actually have a location. And I must admit, it's just ties in completely what you said there, putting the sign up on the building outside with my company name on just blew my mind because I was like, this was just a logo on a website before. Now it's actually, it sounds a bit lame in a way, but it's, it's now physical. it's actually, on a on a big board where people can see it proud and saying this is our building this is who we are and that was just such an amazing moment for me and the fact that now i can be talking to you while the cakes are still being baked they're still being produced they're still being made and i'm now trying to work on the other side of the business which is actually building a business and it you know that's the thing i was going to talk about today actually is how it's interesting how you start off on this journey quite often you are the person doing every job you're the person who's you know in my case, baking the products, talking to the customers, making the emails, making the taking the photographs of all the products, all of that stuff. And then you can well HR accounts, all the accounts and stuff and the tax returns and stuff. And then if you take on staff, you've got the HR side. And then you suddenly realize actually I've got to pull back from that a little bit more now. I've got to find people to delegate those roles to so I can actually grow the business. Otherwise, you become almost like a limiting factor on your success because you're always one foot in, one foot out not doing either very well and i'm kind of trying to transition through that phase now and and yeah we've had a lot of growth but it's it's a really interesting time it's it's kind of challenging as well and it and it gives you a lot of headaches but ultimately i think i can see how we're moving towards something which is growing and getting bigger
1: nice and i think yeah i mean i can relate to so much of that i i i didn't mention earlier but i used to run my own shopify store i i went to shopify meetup about four years ago and i sort of watched a quick demo about shopify and went this looks easy. Please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for anybody's benefit who's listening, Dan runs his own podcast, so if it sounds like he's interviewing me at any point. That's exactly <laughs> oh, sorry. I
2: mean. sorry, mate. No, no, absolutely
1: that. fine. <laughs> no, no, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. I mean, I probably should do an episode on it one day, purely because I used to run my own store. So, I everything you just mentioned was stuff that I was. I, I made the decision eventually to go. No, I'm going to sit supplier side. We'll we'll move the store on, give it to somebody else, sort of thing, or shut it down. But yeah, we're, we're, I literally was on the train home one night and I spent £5,000 on Alibaba and just <laughs> ordered a load of wooden sunglasses online. I mean, it wasn't quite as quick as that, it was a few weeks, but I mean, we're talking weeks, not months. And we had the store set up. We had our first order within about, I think it was, I, I think literally I had my first order within a week of turning the website on and I hadn't done any marketing yet. Someone just found it. I mean, I am good at SEO and PPC, so it wasn't a complete fluke. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it's just so interesting. And I think the, What's really interesting, actually, which you're talking about now, and I don't think I've ever made this point in the podcast, but I want to make it now for anyone who's been listening to quite a few of these interviews we've done over the last sort of six months. It's interesting that what you're not talking about is the stuff that I think the really, really little guys who aren't quite at your level yet talk about, which is SEO, PPC. Oh, I read a thing the other day. It says if you make the button red instead of blue, the buy button, your sales will double. And of course, none of that's true. Some of it's true. It might be true. It might... But what's interesting is you reach a point where actually your focus is no longer on the what's the latest algorithm update on SEO and how do we get that extra click. Your focus now is actually more of an operational focus, which in a way is a good problem to have. You sort of evolve out of the how do we drive some traffic to the site and get enough orders? Suddenly then it's like, oh my gosh, now we have orders. We have no plan to get these orders out the door. And who should we hire first? And we haven't really planned ahead. And interestingly, I found over the years that the more you plan ahead, the easier it is to get to that point, isn't it? So, I'd love to hear what's kind of changed, especially in the last year and possibly longer, in terms of your just day-to-day focus from where you were to where you are now.
2: Yeah, completely. I'd love to talk about that. And, and in a way, this is the thing that's interesting for me, Nick, is that I'm still processing it myself. So, this—I don't see this as being a podcast. I see this as being my therapy session with you because you're <laughs> so much further along the journey than I am. You can just say, "Yeah, it's okay, man. Don't worry. I, I can talk you through this now. It's—it's it's <laughs> these brain pains happen." Um, With
1: thousands of people tuning in, which always makes it yeah, yeah, much yeah, easier yeah. to digest.
2: Just, just sit back, guys, and just relax. <laughs> exactly. yeah, so basically, I'll just go through the story if I can. So when I was on the podcast in March, so basically, okay, I just want to go back to sort of December 2019. I was standing for Parliament, and I'm, I'm in the Labour Party, and it wasn't a great election for us. I was in a seat which is pretty hard to win anyway, and this business that I was running at the time, to guilt-free, I was basically teaching by day. I'm a secondary school teacher, but I was teaching special needs to a lad with autism, I was then posting out orders during the day on my bicycle to the post office. So, you know, so in terms of like a hands-on business, like you know, I knew I did everything. My wife, Bessman's doing a PhD at Cambridge. So she's kind of at the moment in the lab all the time working on cancer cells. So, you know, and we've got two young children who are now five and two. So back at that time, you know, one of them was a baby and the one was just out being a toddler. So it's a pretty full on time for us. And I just think now looking back on that time, I could have so easily have just given up at any point. In fact, I was actually looking at jobs the summer before that general election and I was applying for them and going for interviews. I didn't get any of them as as teaching jobs that was. And I look back now thinking, thank God, I'm glad I did supplies, had the freedom to be able to do the business still. And then basically I kind of thought after the general election, right, I was so kind of chewed up by politics and a bit fed up with it all. I thought I'm going to really just throw everything into this business now. I'm going to put the whole shebang into it. So I went down on my teaching hours a little bit, put some more time into it. And, and I think in a way, and this probably relates to what a lot of the listeners are, are probably at the stage at, when you're running everything yourself, it is a really good basis because it's the best foundation you can have. When you're employing somebody to replace one of those jobs, you, nobody knows it as well as you do. So you can really train that person to do what you used to do. Yeah. And you yeah. have the standard because you basically the customers we've taken along with us, there are some we've had for the last three years, a very small percentage. There are many more have come later but because we had those kind of two years of pain i described them as where we were baking everything ourselves not sleeping very much doing this you know like a young baby and everything at home and the hottest day the whole in the whole country ever was in cambridge two years ago and i was baking on that day you know all these experiences (laughs) i remember But now I can think, no, actually, this is my standard. I'm not going to dip on that just because it's easier to not train somebody properly or whatever. So you know it all. You know what works. And because you've got a winning formula with a few people, you'll find really quickly that if it works for a few, you can scale it up. If you've got something that you haven't really kind of perfected to your market, to your audience, then it's probably not going to go anywhere until you get it right. And that's what I felt like I did in those two years. So at the time, I probably looked like a failure to my friends. Like, what are you doing? You're just getting poor quickly while you're p- pouring your into this <laughs> business. But actually, now that it, I can 100 relate to the just formulated business, it? so you come cool. home and it's
1: like, I've had a look at some jobs online for you, honey, and it's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't even tell me that door exists. I'm Otherwise, not giving up.
2: I'm not giving up. I'm going to exactly. regret
1: this rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And if you believe
2: in it, like no one's going to believe in it as much as you do. But I think that that message does win through eventually. And so that's like I say, like January last year, I thought right. We're gonna go for this now. Like what what why am I putting brakes on things myself? I'm not gonna put I'm gonna put politics to the side for one moment, gonna change my working hours, really go for this. And I thought, right, what could I do is start like a podcast. Let's try to not only produce these keto low carb cakes, but at the same time build up the low carb community in the UK. So set up UK low carb and I just thought we'll see how it goes. And that was in March last year we started and then we're just just past fifty thousand downloads. So that's been like a big part of it, I think, because Next thing you know, I'm actually communicating with customers who are my friends now, really. And our tribe, our community, because we all do low carbon keto together, means that we, you know, I get them on my show and they tell me their story. So it's all about them and and about us as a tribe, as a group. And that has been a huge part of the success. I think instead of thinking, how can I sell something to this person? I thought, right, these are people like me, let's get to know each other. And when you get to know each other, you build trust, you get to have relationships. And that was really beneficial. That makes your whole product
1: and offering so much more profitable to the customer. I was, yeah, not profitable to you, but profitable to the customer because it gives them so much more value, doesn't it? I think one of the things we talk about all the time, and I, we, you know, we covered this again a couple of weeks ago, at the Rare Tea Company. Yeah, one of the things we talk about all the time on this podcast is quality of product. I often find the companies that are, are trying almost too hard with their SEO and their PPC and their email campaigns. And you almost get to a point where you're like, well, if the product was decent and the product being all of it the full experience, we wouldn't have to go to these lengths, would we?
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I think it is... It's almost like understated, but it's so important to get that right, isn't it? And the thing I love now is that I feel like, okay, not all my customers, because we get into the stage where it's getting hard to have one-to-one relationships. But at first, I was getting direct feedback from them as well. So one of our flavors, we did like a lemon drizzle because somebody said, oh, well, I'd like that flavor. Can you try and make it? Now, bear in mind, our cakes and stuff are like less than two grams of carbohydrate and one gram of sugar. So they're like tiny amounts. So no no, like fake sugars, like sort of people saying, oh, it's got honey or dates in it. No, that is still sugar in your body. These are made to, to be healthy for your metabolic health. That's why we've made them because, and I can go into that story in a moment, but getting the feedback from customers, meant they were saying, oh, we like lemon drizzle. Could you make it? So I did. Then I thought, oh, I could try and put some blueberry in that. So I made blueberry lemon drizzle. And that's been really popular. And it's all because of that conversation back and forth. And when you're a small business, you should never underestimate the two things you have. One of those things, I think, is that one-to-one connection. You yourself can talk to your customers and get to know you as you. Not, You know, I, I, I try to avoid as much as possible, you know, we at Deliciously Guilt-Free. And I'll say, me, Dan, at Deliciously Guilt-Free, I want to know what you think. Because it's personal between me and them, not not this nebulous we nonsense. And the second thing you have is flexibility, because big companies can't do that. Whereas you can say, right, let's just chuck out a flavor and see what works. Or let's just check out an idea, see if, if, it, if it lands well. And if it doesn't, what doesn't work well? If it does work well, what could we adapt and change? And that flexibility was really important for us, because I was literally baking every night, different flavors, getting feedback, trying new things. And when those when that process of like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of bakes and sending them out to people to try and getting them to taste them. And then they're giving me feedback and they're buying them each time, but they're enjoying them and they're just telling me how to improve. I then got a winning formula between the two of us. Okay, it's more than one customer, but it felt like just between me and that person at a time. So that I had a product which people like now really love. And, and yeah, that's been incredible.
1: And so, I mean, just say, I absolutely love the approach talking to customers. I think I mentioned before that when I got involved in Parker back in June, the first thing I did, I was telling you earlier, Dan, but I'm pretty sure I mentioned the podcast. I got straight on the phone with past customers. And I said, look, I've got two questions for you. What do you love and what do you hate? And all the hates have now turned into our biggest USPs and all the loves we're kind of like, well, look, that's good to know, and we've done something with it, and we've kind of now angled that as a, well, that's what people are looking for, but let's let's also, as part of our onboarding sales process, let's address the hates as well. And I think it's exactly the same, given that all our customers at Parker and half our customers at Spec are e-commerce stores, that's the barrier we've tried to break down to make a purchase. But my question really is, when it comes to customer feedback, did you, I mean, it sounds like you've just literally picked up your email inbox and gone, somebody's ordered a product. Once it's been sent out in a couple of weeks, I will send them a personal email and say, you know, how did you find this? Or did you use any software, any tools? Like what was the process for actually getting them to engage? Like what did you find work best?
2: So we thought, well, Instagram for us was like the natural place because I think emails can be a bit too formal. However, I would, I would just say as time goes on, you know, you have to automate some of this stuff because it just gets too unruly. But at first, instagram's really lovely because i was saying like yeah. oh send us a picture of a dessert and how would you eat it you know and, and a simple thing like that you get somebody who might be you know type two diabetic or you know overweight who wants to lose some weight or whatever and then they're sh- they're saying i never thought i could have a dessert again i've just had this deliciously guilt-free one with double cream or whatever and some fruit and and so you know you're having a conversation about their dinner and then you're like right what did you like about it? what could we improve and it was very chit chatty through instagram at first and I remember like such a saddo really, but (laughs) I'd be in different schools doing supply teaching and I'd be sat in the corner of the staff room, not eating lunch because I didn't have time for that. I was too busy working. And I'd just be there on Instagram, chatting to customers, posting pictures I'd taken the day before on Instagram, just engaging with them and just trying to chat to them basically. Now, as time went on, this is where Caroline really helped us because then she said, well, there's this app, I think it's judge.me on Shopify. That's the one we use. Yeah, yeah,
1: judge me. Judge
2: me, that's it. And we've had over 2000 reviews now. And we we use that basically in the same way, and we keep everything up because I think reviews are only good if you can see a bit of a mixture between the good and the bad. You've got to have, and you got, and every brand's going to have the bad reviews too. It's just part of life, you know, and that's fine. And as I say to people, we're not right for everyone. Some people want our product to be different in some way, but you, if you get the majority happy, you're fine, and that's what we've found. We literally leave everything up there. And I did a post recently, and it sounds so like bizarre, probably against what most marketing books would say. And I did uh, an Instagram post where I had, I copied and pasted a five-star review, and copied and pasted a one-star review, and I put them next to each other, and I said, we're not right for absolutely everyone, and that's fine, but whatever we do, we'll always be honest about about what you think about us, and we'll learn from it. Mm, And I think that honesty is, is everything, because... If you think you're going to get it right all the time, you're wrong. It's nothing wrong. Get your ego out of the way and just listen to what's good. Just like you were saying there about, you know, getting feedback from your customers. Find out what works, find out what doesn't work, sort the things that don't work, and people respect that I think a lot more. And, you know, and we we've tried to do that along the whole way, and I think that's like a bit of a culture I want to develop in our company that it's okay to make a mistake, but how do we learn from it? And and Judge Me was one of those apps we use for that, really, really useful. But even now, we still make a plan that we're gonna to have to sit on Instagram and chat to people because, well, to be fair, it's not hard. We absolutely love doing it. We love these people. They're like, <laughs> they really are because I've known them for years. And you know, like yeah. some of these people have like started with us on chemotherapy or something, and they're having to cut sugar for that reason. Or some of them are maybe, you know, trying to put their type two diabetes into remission and make themselves healthier. You're celebrating success. And even if someone You know has a bit of a stumble you're you're there with them saying it's okay You've, you've got you've done this before you can do it again and i and i i love that side about this business i really do love our customers and honestly i mean that
1: i think i mean one thing that's resonated with me on a personal level recently on exactly what you've just been saying is i i love i love football and i love playing football I've just learned we're recording this on on uh, Monday afternoon. I've just learned Lampard's been sacked, so I'm quite depressed at the moment. But we'll skim over that. But the. Oh,
2: but I thought he was like playing ten years ago. Am I am I out of date there or something? Is he still playing? He was this... Well, no, he's, he was
1: he was the Chelsea manager for a while. So I grew up in uh, I grew up in Cobham in Surrey, where the training ground for Chelsea Football Club is. So there was no other option, but. Anyway, so the, but one thing that resonates with me is I, I play football a lot and it's the only way I really learn to exercise is is football and I've got a couple other hobbies that are pretty pretty physical and it just gets me out of the house. But it's always that kind of community spirit of like, I go to football because all my friends are there, we have a laugh. And because they're your mates, you want to be that little bit faster, that little, little bit better. And that competitive edge then starts to build fitness without you focusing on, I need to get fit. You just start getting fit, which is good. And I think that's the same with your kind of business, isn't it? And actually we talk a lot about building a community, but what I love is you've just sort of laid out how your community actually exists and that it's so much more powerful than just a, you know, you're part of John Lewis's loyalty program or, you know, you've got a Walmart card. You know, this is so much more powerful than that. It's like you're part of a group of people that are going to encourage each other to be healthier, to be better. I think, yeah, I just think it's so powerful, which again, you guys have kind of completely skipped over the sort of SEO algorithms and that sort of stuff, which is where most I'll be honest, most questions we get for the podcast and most of the inquiries we get at the business are like, I need to get to number one on Google. And it's a bit like, so what? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, right. see, it's not really a plan, is it? You just you're trying to grow the business and you think this is going to help. But it's the wrong medicine for the problem. You know, the problem is decisions you make as opposed to, you know, what, what medicine you can take. If that, you know, to use a sort of medical example, but yeah, with, with the community, how do they engage? Do you have like a forum or a platform or is it just through your social posts or is it that somebody sends something in and you share it back out and that's the kind of conversation loop or how, how does it work?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm happy to go through that, but I just want to say on your point just then, you raised some really good points, I think. And And, you know, just going for SEO, just going for Facebook ads, whatever it is, well, that's all very well, but people know authenticity when they see it and they also know when you're not being authentic. And I honestly think... If you can get your mission right, and I used to, I used to read business books talk about this and thinking, yeah, 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 let's get to the good stuff. Come on, <laughs> gobbledygook. But actually, now that I've got it, done it, I'm like, no, actually, that is so true. Like. You know, people, if they've got the same kind of cause as you, if they if they believe the same things, if they are in your tribe, I know Seth Godin, somebody that Caroline's talked about and I'm a big fan of. Yeah. yeah. And if it's somebody you think, yeah, actually, I, I click, I resonate with what the, mes- the message of this company is and what they're doing and why they're doing it, and actually they do care about the customers and all these things, then actually... You know, the SEO, the Facebook, any anyone can do that. That That's actually, you know, you go to an agency like Spec, You go to, uh, you can try and learn this stuff online through YouTube courses, whatever it might be. You can figure that stuff out. But actually, if you haven't got the authentic message in the first place, then I think you're always going to be a little bit poorer than if you had that authentic message to put out into the world. Because then these things like Facebook adverts and Google ads, whatever, become a channel for your message, not just an empty tube that you're just pay, putting money into to run an ad on. And I and I think that's kind of how we've grown. But just to answer your question about the way that we've built our community and where we work, yeah, so sure. so basically, just in very practical senses. So it was things like the the, the conversations that happen on Instagram, and then I thought, right, the, the podcast for me was the way that I wanted to build the community up. So I've had expert speakers come on talk about from their point of view about low carb and keto. However, we've also had uh, a group fast together. So through our Facebook group, which UK Low Carb, which goes with the podcast we do things like a group fast where about 20 of us went for five days with nothing but water and a bit of salt. And that was it. And we all supported each other by having a Zoom call every evening with all of us together talking about what we're doing. Now, bearing in mind, some of these people might not buy from me. That's absolutely fine. It's not a, it's not a sales funnel in that way. It's not like saying you must come and buy our cakes or anything. It's just that group where I'm saying we're all low carb together. We're all doing you know this together we're like we're doing a fast in this instance. Let's, let's do it over zoom and so what we did after that was we decided every fortnight to have a zoom call so we put the zoom link up in the facebook group anyone to join in they can and we have a chat together for about between 10 minutes and half an hour how are you getting on particularly up to christmas was really important for me because i find i get tempted by sugar and stuff and the carbs and the you know christmas pudding and roast potatoes and mince pies and whatnot so i was like no you know let's let's help each other so we'd meet up on the zoom calls we'd start chatting and we just do things like that. And then I set up another Facebook group, Deliciously Guilt-Free Chats, where I thought people who are less into things like fasting and the low carb stuff, but more interested in our cakes can be in that group. And we chat in there. So I've tried to use Facebook groups as a way to try and build conversation and trying to build community as well.
1: I think it's a very good point because I think the, you know, apologies if my questions are all kind of on the ground. I think you're putting all the really good, fun, interesting stuff in, but I know that anybody's going to be sitting at home going, okay, customer feedback, what tool do I use? And it's like, it's not about the tool. I think you couple the two together, which is important. But again, I, l- I love the fact that everything you're doing is an absolute dream for any social media manager <laughs> in the entire country. A sort of, I just need content. But the point being that you're not focusing on the pound for pound revenue or the let's just get our VIP customers in the same room and they'll spend more money. And because it's not really about that. It's about building a community, as you say. And then anybody just needs to hear, you know, again, again, I'd recommend anybody listen to the Rare Tea Company episode as well. And I think if we had done this one first, I'd be doing the, the same the other way around. You know, the Rare Tea Company have built a whole foundation about getting fair tea to people all over the world and that sort of thing. It's so important to build that. And I, one of the biggest challenges they had, and I'm, my next question really is, is, is this the same challenge for you is how do you project that digitally? So it doesn't come across like some in your face advert, you know, you're killing the planet if you don't donate to a charity via buying our products. How do you take all of that sort of community spirit, Facebook groups, how do you take that and put it into some sort of, yeah, I don't want to call it a sales message, but how do you take that and put it into some kind of marketing website? You know, get that across to like a new customer or an existing customer. What's the medium or content approach that you've taken for it?
2: Okay, so basically, I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I've got all the answers. I was going to tell you what we did, and then you can rate me on how well I've done it. <laughs> sure. So basically, I, the way I see social media is that in a world where TV adverts are BS, because they're basically trying to say, this product's amazing, you need it in your life. I kind of think social media should be much more, and the internet gives us the ability to actually have a real window into reality. And I kind of think of like deliciously guilt free would be like nothing; nobody would even know what it is unless we just let people behind the curtain a little bit and said, "This is who we are. This is what we do." Yeah. And so all we've done is literally just just document as we've gone along. So for instance, you know, when I was baking at home, I have pictures of me in my home kitchen, chopping stuff at the table, you know, making things, sending them out to people doing a live in my kitchen. This is what I'm doing. So I'm doing it. Then when we moved to the cafe, I literally took people out journey with me and said, you know, we found a cafe closed during lockdown. We thought as we had lots of orders coming in, let's, let's rent it. Terrified thinking I don't have enough money for this. But, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, Hopefully it'll work out. And then because you're in a cafe, the big oven and a bigger kitchen, I could then employ my first, like, you know, people to try and help me a little bit. And we did that. So that then helped it to grow. And so I told people about that as well. You know, I got simple little things like I got my bowls like stuck in a massive saucepan and I melted some chocolate and I had to use a hammer and break it up and <laughs> I put that on TikTok and it, and people loved it because it's like you muppet, you know. But it's that's me. I I get things right and wrong, you know, and I share it with people. Yeah, yeah. And perfect. then what I think that did is it meant that when the reviews are coming in, I mean, for instance, this this is what well, this is deliciously guilt-free to give you in a nutshell. So one of our lovely customers today was messaging me about an order she made and it's been a bit delayed in raw Mail or whatever. And I just said to her, oh, I'm teaching phonics today. So she sent me a load of phonics resources and like loads of lovely messages of support and whatnot. And then I saw she's gone on my website and's leaving me like and writing lovely things about us. And like, that's that's how I like it. It's it's genuine people connection, you know, and I and I like that because I feel like we've taken them on the journey with us. I don't, you know, I'll say to them that we've got a bit of an issue right now with the oven we just bought. And unfortunately it doesn't seem to the right electricity plug on it. And it doesn't seem to be able to fit the trades we've got, which is so frustrating. So what's the first thing I do? I, I tell the customers, right, this is what's happened today. You never believe it. And and I think that authenticity really works. Like you can plan this stuff out saying, right, I'm going to get somebody to, you know, like give us some feedback and I'll put it back out. So I did that, for instance. I've done like customer feedback as Instagram posts and I've shared that with people. And and I do that now and again. But I feel like people get to know us a little bit because I just talk to them like a normal person. I'm not trying to sell them something. I'm just trying to be me. And I'm trying to say, look, my podcast is there. If you want to share your story, come and have a chat with me, just like we're having a chat now. It's really relaxing and we're having a conversation. Or if you want to, like, for instance, share a picture, I'll retweet it for you. If you want to DM me, I'll chat to you on there or come into one of the Facebook groups. We can talk on there too. And I just try to be real with people and it works. And I wish that people would be more like that because... It's what's incredible. I know you get this, Nick, but so many people don't still. They seem to think that a marketing agency is there to take your product and then make it work. But actually, you've got access to the internet. You could be you. you. You know, This could never happen before. You can literally be your own actor in your own film and produce your own content and do whatever you want. You're only limited by your imagination. With a laptop and an, and an iPhone or something, you do anything. So just start talking to people and be real and they'll appreciate it and if you don't get everything right just say look we didn't get that right so let's let's talk about what happened there and and i i just find that honesty is everything and the big brands can't do that so you should think what's your strength and that is a huge strength for you and i think the businesses of the future which are the ones that are coming through now are the ones that are really honest to say this is who we are we want to talk to our customers we are like you we believe in these values this is what we're trying to deliver on. Not we're trying to deliver to the whole mass market and everyone. We're trying to deliver to people who are like us. And I think that if you just did that, then you'd be a million miles ahead of the game.
1: Definitely. I, there's so much I can unpack in that. I'm going to stick it to just a few points. I think one of them is that you talk about the marketing agency's role. I did a very, very interesting um, podcast episode and Caroline it's her favorite one since we swapped the microphone over to, uh, to my office. And I basically said like, well, we had about three or four messages from three or four potential new clients a couple at spec a couple at parker and they all said like look we don't want to beat around the bush here we've worked with loads of marketing agencies and none of them have ever delivered anything and blah blah blah. it's it's, always a nightmare story for us you know if you want to engage with us don't start you know don't walk into a supermarket and say i'm going to be a nightmare customer who's going to return all the products i buy this morning (laughs) you especially don't want to walk into your local butcher and say that because you be like we'll just get out then (laughs) <laughs> we just don't come in i don't yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want your business if you're going to be a nightmare you know so we we've had that a lot and so I did our podcast episode about a sort of you know how to be a good buyer of services, and one of the main things i I tried to pick up on as much as I could there without being rude to some of our clients or some of the people that we're talking to was to say like you know an agency's there to help you scale and grow stuff like you were talking earlier about employing um, people to do hr for you and finance and the cooking and distribution of products and you know instead of you going down to the post office now they come to you to pick up the products and take them out and deliver them it's all that sort of stuff of you you've basically written the book you're now getting somebody else to deploy the job And I think that is where marketing agencies and people who can support on that side of things, that's where they sit best. So all the stuff you have just told me, if this was an initial meeting you and I were having about us doing some work for you, I've had more than enough from this. I know exactly how to approach this. We're going to talk about doing more with um, the content you're currently creating, about getting that story across, we might challenge you to improve your branding a bit, based on all the good things it's doing, the good things you are doing, but they're not referenced in your brand. It's that kind of thing. And I think the second and final thing I want to pick up on what you just said. I got a question on a webinar not last week, but the week before that we did at Spec. We had 140 odd retail brands book onto it, so big e-commerce stores, a lot of them on Magento two and upwards, and then into Hybris and Oracle Cloud, and millions of pounds spent on their websites, that sort of thing. And one of the questions I got from them. Um, a really, really well-known hardware store in the UK, they said, How do we compete against pure play e-com? And what I found really, really interesting about that question is a number of things, and you've just touched on it here. There's lots of what we call pure play e-commerce. So I would say you've now got the cafe, so you're starting to branch a little bit away from that, but you are mostly just an e, you know, I say just, you are a Shopify store. You know, you just sell online. Like Gymshark, for example, biggest Shopify store in the world, they have no physical shops as far as i know they you know completely yeah. started digital pure play the big brands are terrified of this so sometimes oh, yeah. i think a lot of the guys who are listening in today a lot of you'll be sitting there thinking oh my gosh how am i ever going to compete with john lewis and argos and you know some of the big brands out in the us and um, and amazon you know every retailer from big and big to small is terrified of amazon the reality is they're all selling loads and loads on amazon and making loads of money from it themselves as well so don't be scared of the hands that can feed you. But fortunately, this industry has lots of hands. But I think what's interesting, though, is that the bigger brands are struggling to compete online. Well, they think they are because they think, oh, these pure play e-commerce sites. They've just got all the latest tech. Their whole business is geared at just on-page optimization and, you know, getting the conversion journey as quick and smooth as possible. And all their advertising campaigns work so well. And they've got buckets of money behind them. They think the same thing about the big retailers. The only difference is they think, oh, the big retailer's got that big brand behind them. So if you go on Google and you find John Lewis or Walmart or Amazon, well, you know who you're buying from already. It now just comes down to the product. You know what service you're going to get, it just comes down to the product. So all I'll say on it, which I think you've touched on lo- in a really lovely way there, is it's it's not better or worse, it's just different. You have different USPs. And I think certainly if you're in a really competitive market, say, say you're selling, I I don't know, skincare products, there's thousands of Shopify businesses set up that have international delivery to the US and UK, where most of our audience are based. Thousands of them were set up just in Q2 last year, as Shopify told us before Christmas. So it's a massively competitive market. So you've got to find a differentiator and you've got to think, what can we do that the big brands can't and all these other new stores can't? And do something that's going to really speak to customers because I think I imagine your customer um, lifetime value and that sort of stuff you might not be tracking it in detail, but I bet it's pretty good. I bet a lot of your orders come from people that are like, "I love those guys, I'll just keep ordering," or "We deserve some treats, let's order a box." completely, completely.
2: completely. You've you've just completely just sung from the same hymn book as me. I completely agree with everything you just (laughs) said. I really do because yeah, what you just said there, like. Okay, look at like the Tesco as the okay an American Walmart model um, hmm. of having for instance a big a uh, big shop, a big store with a massive car park. everyone goes to it before two thousand and eight and the great crash, everyone thought that is the future of retail that's how people are going to buy they're going to go to these massive great out of town shopping centers and of course they're still there they still work, but the world has changed a lot in that last twelve years, a hell of a lot, and in fact this lockdown and the pandemic has changed the world again we're at such an exciting time i think with e-commerce yeah. where it's now become. you think about a habit being formed over a certain number of repetitions of doing something well in a, in almost a year people have been buying online and having stuff shipped to them by post people who would never have done that would have just gone into the town center or to that big shop on the edge of town and now quite happy to put their money out and and do a bit of free shipping by buying more or paying for a bit of shipping wherever it might be yep so you're talking about a paradigm shift and paradigm shifts are really exciting because you can only really see them when you look back on them but i think you and i realize this is now the new future and that the big brands don't have the flexibility i was saying about they don't have the personalization that i'm saying is one of the key things you can have as a small business so us small businesses coming up now are able to say right we are really niche or not really niche but we've got the personality behind it, which you can't do. I mean, who is Mr. John Lewis? Does anyone know? Does anyone, who? What's the face of John Lewis? It's just the logo. And you know, what and year
1: did he die? Does anybody yeah, know? Yeah,
2: Maybe he's still in a back office somewhere. Who knows? But, you know, like with cobwebs on him. But, you know, you just don't know. There's no personality there. I mean, I guess you got a sense to the brand, but you can do so much online now to develop you as your personality in your brand and what your brand values are. And you can be flexible to adapt to the market changes. And because you're online already, you've got that advantage where you're going straight into people's like, you know, on their iPhones or whatever. And they can see you and they can and people are sharing about you, building community around you, whatever it is. You've got so much potential there. And I think this is the golden age. Like, go for it. And if you want to have a go and you're just a bit nervous or whatever. Yeah, we all are. That's how life is. You know, that's that's normal. But if you don't try you don't go for it if i'd taken those teaching jobs back then i would never have had what i've got now yeah, yeah. and i think you know if you believe in it you're going to push you're going to push and that's really important And i think it's such an exciting age we're in right now you know in the past advertising was a billboard it was an advert on tv it was an advert on the radio it was a picture of absolute vodka in the back of a magazine or whatever you could never have afforded that because you didn't have the money because you're doing it by bootlegging it but now you can, sorry, bootstrapping, a <laughs> bit different, <laughs> very but different now you, <laughs> very different, very different, sorry, but now you can, you know, you yeah. can just go on, literally talk on your phone and make a video. You can, there's free apps you can download that can do all this sort of stuff for you. And then if you get a bit more successful, like you could, you know, employ somebody on Fiverr, if that's your thing or whatever, and you could actually get them to then edit your videos, wherever it is, there's so many options out there that weren't out there previously. So just go for it. Really what's holding you back? Just, just, if you've got a good product, you've got something you believe in, have a go. Absolutely. I
1: mean, I was going one of my last questions was going to be, if you could say one thing to yourself two or three years back from where you are today, you know, if you go back, go back in a time machine and give yourself a bit of advice, what would it be? I feel like you've just covered it really, really well without me asking, which is great. I think just, just on the note of kind of go for it, and I think there's, a, there's another phrase that comes with that as well, which is keep going. I'll give an example, which I don't often open up too much about me on podcasts, but I think there's a really relevant thing that I learned one day and had to apply which was incredibly painful but i mean even if i look at my staff half of them wouldn't be here today unless i'd done this about two years ago i reached a really low point and we've all been there and I reached a really low point where I was like, do I even want to do this anymore? Like, what's going on? And, you know, our customer base wasn't looking quite where I wanted it to be. And there were quite a lot of issues that I'd just been kind of tiptoeing around, not dealing with issues involving uh, the team and some clients. And, And at the time, I was just kind of like, I just want it all to go away, you know, kind of. I learned recently that in the relationship scenario, I'm a hedgehog, not a rhino. They're, they're,
2: they're 2 or, two different types. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. rewind. Explain that, please. That's so amazing. So they,
1: oh. I mean, this this honestly is it's either made couples laugh over dinner when we've been out for dinner with people, <laughs> or it's made them cry. But yeah, in every relationship, you you'll find that you're either this is just in a purely you know kind of loving relationship you know with your partner
2: oh, it's just between us here nick don't worry nobody's listening at this point <laughs> they've um, tuned out a long time ago let's go for it what what, what tell me about your hedgehogginess <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the hedgehog but, you know, the idea is when there's a disagreement between two people one of you will automatically go into hedgehog mode and one will go into rhino mode um oh, I get yeah that. you That's do it. sometimes get two hedgehogs or two rhinos in a scenario Two of the same is the most unhealthy place to be at all. But the hedgehog and the yeah. rhino, one of one of you will go, no, no, we need to deal with this now. I, in this scenario, and I can be a rhino, but in this scenario, is a massive hedgehog. It was a, I just yeah, want to curl too. up in a ball. And if you come near me, I'll prick you and hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> but only if you come near me. Leave I want, me alone. Yeah, I want to yeah. be left alone. But anyway, I got up one day and I was like, right, I'm going to deal with this stuff. Where to start? So... The obvious place was to go onto YouTube and type in "how to turn around a failing business." My business was not failing. In hindsight, it was actually one of its most healthy positions ever. It's just how it felt to me because I wasn't—I didn't know how to yeah. interpret the situation. So, I went on YouTube and I, I found a few things like Tony Robbins, Winston Churchill, a whole load of kind of you know classic role models, and listened to what they had to say. And there were two particular phrases from those two uh, those two gentlemen that popped out. That just what you were just saying just completely reminded me of this. One of them was from Winston Churchill. And he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And that phrase has been running around my head. I had it written on my wall in the office at one point, but it's, it's been running around my head for the last sort of two, nearly three years now. Just reminded me, like, if you stop in the middle of a bad scenario, you're now stationary in hell. <laughs> you're not just going through it. You're now stationary, which guarantees you're not going to get out of it. It's just going to get worse. So there's that. And then the other thing as well was, yeah, from, I mean, Tony Robbins is like, some people love him, some people hate him. He's a classic Marmite scenario. But he, I mean, he, says, he said quite a few things that really, really struck me about what was going on. And one of them was to then look back and say, well, you know, write a quick story about yourself but in the third person. It was a really interesting exercise and it actually brought tears to my eyes. I was sitting on a beach in Barcelona trying to relax for a few days just to clear my head and work out a plan out of like all these different little things that were going on. And what I did is I wrote this story and it just kind of started, I'm the guy who dot, dot, dot. Like, and it was like, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that quit my job with no money whatsoever and bought a new phone contract and just called companies offering to manage their Google ads for them. That was me. Wow. wow. That's inspirational. I love that. That was me in 2009, 11 years ago. I was doing that. So I had a couple of years experience in the industry, but it was like doing that story and it brought tears to my eyes, but what a confidence lift. You're like, I've been through so much before. What I'm going through right now is just loads of little things let's just break them down, deal with them and that sort of thing. So I think so many so many people I talk to is sort of similar to where you were previously, will be listening to this podcast. You're feeling isolated. You don't know where to go. You don't know where to start right now. And I actually, I, I think something's going to come out of the pandemic as well is there's going to be a lot of e-com businesses that are sitting there going, what uplift, what extra sales. Like we didn't see any of it. And it's not because they got their SEO wrong or the PPC wrong. All those things are important, but it's, It's actually a case of you're either not tracking it or something's gone fundamentally wrong and it then starts to create some depression, lack of confidence, et cetera, which can really damage the business as well. But I'm sure you've been through times like that where you've needed the kind of, you know, whack out the. Pocket Churchill quote book and (laughs) that sort of thing.
2: We agree. You know what? It's that kind of perspective. I think is really important, isn't it? Because you know, like, okay, this is the problem we have. We all exist in the same time at the same place. So you kind of think we're all the same, getting on with life. But actually, you know, they don't see the journey you've been through to get where you are. You know, I didn't know that Nick about you. So you know, I I haven't seen. I haven't seen your kind of rough time in hell to get you where you are now, the really successful business. But actually, that is a really important part of your story, and. You know, it's very easy, I think, to look at somebody who's successful and go, "Oh, well, they've got it all, and I don't. I'll just give up. I can't do it." No, it's not that at all. You know, maybe they went through a hard time and they've got through the other side of it. And you know, it's that kind of carrying on is really important. So I completely relate to it. You know, I remember when we'd have a thirty pounds of sales a day, and we'd be like, "Oh, wow, we've actually sold to somebody." And, it, and it, what's really funny, actually, it's really important to probably like like journal this in some way because it's very, very soon you get used to the big numbers and then you want to go for bigger numbers and you kind of forget what you used to have so my mum actually who's been like my parents are so supportive they've been there the whole way for us in fact my dad still helps in the business now actually with like odd jobs here and there to help us is amazing and and she said you know you've you, you look like you're getting an empire now she said you used to be you used to be doing night feeds your baby with the express breast milk and baking by night till two three in the morning getting up and teaching all day, doing politics tutoring in the evening, going and doing a media interview for Parliament, like candidacy and all that stuff. And then you do it all the next day and you wouldn't complain, you just get on with it. And now you actually have your weekends back. And I'm like, oh, God, I forgot I did all that. And yeah, that was really horrible. But I did it because I believed in it and I kept going. And I think, you know, I always have this like pessimism of like things are good now, but I'm terrified what's going to happen next. I mean, bad yeah. stuff's going to happen, that,
1: which is, I think- Oh yeah, yeah, bad stuff will yeah, yeah. That's why you just, you have to be prepared, like whether that's keeping your bank balance above a certain level or it's a, yeah. when this happens, we'll do this. I mean, hopefully you never have to look at those plans,
2: but but realize that things could fall apart easily. So what's important here? Not every single penny you spend, you're thinking, do I really need that? Because actually I know what it's been like when I had nothing and actually I made the right choices when I had nothing because I had to. Whereas I could easily make a foolish choice and I've got a bit of money spare and then it's just wasted. So, you know, you've got to be aware of those things. You're right. But I think remembering where you come from and tracking the journey, because it will change sort of subtly in some ways or dramatically but then you'll forget it in the future so you know like moving to that cafe i can't believe that was like only last april it's weird it seems like it's it's been a a long year a really long year (laughs) yeah it has yeah but you know we're in a cafe where suddenly I was like going to do this job that I was doing at home this time last year on the podcast when I came on I was doing this at home then suddenly I was in a cafe then I moved to soft play because then the cafe opened in June the soft plays are still shut so and as I've got young kids that's quite good at the weekends taking them there to play in it but that was still shut so we went there and then this commercial kitchen came up and I was like the rent is how much I can't afford that no way but actually you sort of think no no hang on a minute I've been working for like sleepless nights and no money for years I'm gonna go I'm gonna Give my best shot at this. I'm gonna keep going, like you just said about Churchill's quote. There, I'm gonna keep pushing, and it did work out. Now, you could say, yeah, but there's people who haven't made it. But I honestly believe in life. You learn from these experiences by putting yourself out there, no matter what you think your destination is. It will lead to something because you had a go. And I honestly think that. Going to sound a bit woo-woo now, but I honestly think that you do get the experience you gain. You know, the universe does give back to you in a way. It does. You know, it does give back to you because. You put the effort in. You are generous to your time. You learn from the experience. Something more good will happen from it. But the the hiding and the being scared, only being the hedgehog and not moving forwards, that you know, you got to sometimes just sort of unroll yourself and push on forwards.
1: Yeah, I think journaling is important. I, I mean, the only comment I make on journaling is: a, I absolutely hate sitting down and writing stuff in a book, and that's my own. Yeah, that's but, all I thought journaling was at one point in my life. What we do now, or certainly what I do in, in in my business, is whenever we make any big decisions or we have any big successes or big failures, that sort of thing, I just make a note and do a bit of digging. How did this happen? So I still have the journal element of it, but I'm not sitting there writing every night. It's not become a habit because it's just not me. What I've done is I found my way of doing that because actually what I'm focused on is not just Again, what, in my head, a journal was like, writing everything down, I'm never gonna open that again. And it's like, well, so eventually one day I, I sort of, I think I was driving to work in my car and I thought, do you know what, I just need a format for this. Imagine how much better my decisions would be if I could look back instantly, which I now can, now that I found a way to journal that works for me, I can look back on big decisions and just instantly go, well, we need to do more of that or more of this. And a good example of that is, every time somebody joins Just Ask Parker, or we get a new client at spec we document where they came from which sometimes could just be a they listened to our podcast they went on the website and they signed up done that that's an easy one we may not know sometimes but certainly at spec often the journey will be like well we used to work with so-and-so at tjx Mm -hmm. or tj maxx as it's called in the us tk maxx we used to work with somebody there they then moved roles so we pitched them and we lost that pitch so that was a big failure but then when they moved to their next role, they were only there for three months, but they told somebody there about us. That person then called us up. So then it suddenly influences a right. I know exactly where to spend my time to build the business, to find more clients like that now. I know to sp- I need to spend my time on a personal level with these decision makers. So I think absolutely agree on the journaling side of things. I think it's just a case of finding a format that not only works for you, but also works to make, to do something more than just document.
2: I think it's got to help. Can I ask them what your format is? Like, how do you do it? Because it's something that I really want to do better at, actually. And I'm dyslexic, so I personally find, you know, sitting down and writing a real pain sometimes. Sure, yeah. I love talking. I love recording stuff. Yeah. audio-wise. So, you know, how do you do yours? Well, it started as a spreadsheet, which won't surprise anybody because the
1: spreadsheet is where most good ideas start. So it used to be a spreadsheet <laughs> and it was just had a few tabs in it. One was just a list of clients and it was like, how do we find them? And then we would and then because it's a spreadsheet, I'd make a couple of, you know, sort of totals of like, you know, like st- let's start scoring these things and seeing how much certain ones are worth. And one thing I hate about my industry at spec is it's all about who, you know, and I hate that. Yeah. I I used to think it just doesn't stand for anything, but now I've learned it is about who, you know, but it's much more in depth than just a, "Oh, Dave's really likable. So everybody works with Dave. It's not quite like that. You know, it's, it's actually about, you know, delivery and stuff. So it used to be a spreadsheet. And I still have the spreadsheet for some areas that I would put in the column of journaling. I think that client one is a good example. I've now moved that into zero, our invoicing software. So zero, now um, has some dashboards for me to give me an idea of what clients are worth the most and I can then add notes into those particular contacts there are also contacts in zero that have a zero next to them as in we've never built them anything but that contact is really really key for us because they're an introducer to something else so that person might even have a minus on there because I attribute expenses like taking them out for a drink or traveling across the country to go and hang out with them for an afternoon or pl- I-, I was gonna say play golf I've, I hate golf I never play golf but that, that <laughs> kind of thing So I've then adapted them over the years into different processes and systems. And then I'd also call this journaling, some people call it reporting, but we have an internal way of anything we do for any one of our clients that's particularly successful, we then have an internal process where that gets documented and everybody else can learn from it. If, you know, say it was doing a particular SEO activity on somebody's website, like adding reviews to a product page, as an example, that boosted SEO so much. So that then gets documented down as one of our... 550-odd things we've now got that we do for e-commerce brands. So then we have a bit more of a menu that we don't show the client the menu. We go to the menu and go, right, what things do we need to do the most for this client? What do we think is going to have the biggest impact in the shortest time? Let's focus on those. And so again, that's another way that I would say we journal our journey as a business and improving our processes and services and then how we know what recommendations to make because sometimes clients are like wow this recommendation is absolutely amazing to us it's like well
2: we've done it for the last 40 clients like you because because we know it works so wow yeah i love that that's so like you've got such a good understanding of your business model and how it all works and and actually those building blocks means you know what you're making each month and what you're spending you you've got the whole shebang there because you know where your money's coming from and how to develop it that's really clever I like don't
1: that. get me wrong it's still a mess
2: <laughs> but it's an organized well it, it, <laughs> no but it's just you and me here if your staff listen they might disagree <laughs> with you but as far as I'm concerned it sounds amazing yeah, yeah no,
1: it's, it's a mess <laughs> but you know where to go to find stuff and that's sort of step one of creating a good process so um,
2: you know what just so I just want to say this though that's yeah. the other thing I think you've just highlighted there for me is that actually recruitment is a such a key part of like any business as well and so When it's just you doing everything, you try. You tend to find you've got strengths in certain areas that you kind of play to, and then things you haven't got strengths in, you tend to think, "Well, I'll just try and wing it a little bit on those areas." But what I'm learning now is that I need to recruit for the weaknesses that I have, because actually, you know, you hear about this a lot of business books, don't you? But about building the team up around you, so the things that you don't have. The, you know, attributes in, you can say, Right, I'm going to hire for that person to do that role. And I know a lot of successful companies who do that, where, you know, effectively the entrepreneurial types will be the dreamer who's got the big vision and stuff. But you might have somebody who has to have more of a systems based approach in there, or, or maybe vice versa, somebody you need to employ to try to find new opportunities for your business. Whereas you might be the good person who's got the processes in place. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the next stage for us. And if I'm if I'm ever invited back, I'd love to talk to you about the next step whenever we get there and what it is, because I think recruitment for me and, and using agencies is important. And just to come to one point you said about your role as, as an agency and, and what you do, I've kind of learned that I could probably do most things, not necessarily very well, but I could probably do most things. Like I could learn online how to do what an agency does. However, Do I have the time, in some cases, years and years of experience to gain, which you guys have already? Or do I have the ability to do it well from the beginning? Well, of course not. Sometimes you have to say, right, where is it actually worth my time to invest in this thing, which will then pay back way quicker and way more than I could ever do myself? And it's all part of the recruitment process, isn't it? And that's why I think you have to start, you know, you, you might start off doing everything yourself. You have to realize when's it right for you to put something down and give it to an expert to do for you. And when's it right for you to now focus on the thing that you are good at and recruit where you're not. And I think that that is a sort of a challenge and it feels really scary because you kind of you can always fall back on the hedgehog in us all. Thinking, I'll do what's familiar and I'll just do everything myself as I always have done. But you get to a point where you just can't do it. I almost feel like that could be the rhino scenario. That's the like, everyone step aside. I know
1: how to do this. This is what we're doing. Yeah, that's the point. Like, it's clearly not, egocentric, yeah. you as an individual, isn't exactly. it? I know it's worked once. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, we'll sit, sit down. We're going to continue analysing. I mean, there are scenarios where that just needs to happen. You know, like staff sometimes come to me and go, how do I do this? And I'm like, right, let's just do this you don't always have the time to to go well let's just all take a step back and take a deep breath and think is this the right approach? we still i think one of the challenges i found as well running a business is like where to focus your attention on improvement it's so difficult because i I think anybody listening right now will be able to look at your business instantly go i could tell you 50 things that are wrong most 49 of those i wouldn't want to say out loud in front of my staff or publicly or you know but there's 50 things i know are not good enough right now and then one of the one of the best uh, sayings I've ever got, which we're talking about all of this, came from my advisor, and I do have an advisor, and that wasn't through an advising bureau. That was somebody who sold a big company like ours, and I sat him down and said, "I need your help. Can I? How much do I need to pay you to have two, or three hours a week of your time on the phones? Fine. Just to ask you and any questions. Like, right? Here's what you need to do. Or yeah, I've heard this many times, but he, look at it this way, and then make your decision. And one of the things he always says to me because I, I'll i be honest, I hate chaos. Some people can run a business in chaos and they really enjoy it and thrive on it. I don't, I'm not a control freak, but I need to know everything is in swing in a process actually because that's what control freak is, <laughs> Yep, yeah, you're not, um, not. but it's, it's i look at it that way because i see the world as a the best service i can bring to clients is one where they can ask anyone in our business anything about their account and anyone will pretty much be able to say i know exactly what's going on with your account i've never we've well, never met and i've never worked in your account but I know exactly what's going on you know it's that kind of process but he always says well he's got two phrases." One is, is the tail wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail? And the other one is, um, are you running the business or is the business running you? So some people, again, they like it when the business runs them, they feel important. Everything's kind of happening. And the bigger the company gets, the more it does start to run you in some senses because there's stuff that just needs to be done and things are getting on without your input or say so, which is good. But also there's also the element of, well, it is your business. So you need to be in control of this thing. And I think certainly with e-commerce brands, I've, I've often challenged people to say, you know, you want to triple your orders, you know, your daily orders this year. You want to triple it. If you had triple, what problems would that create? And then somebody else in the meeting goes, I have no idea how we would stock enough products or how we would sell enough. And it's like, OK, cool. Your target is so high that even if it was success, so we're definitely not going to hit it. And even if we did, it would cause more problems than you have today not hitting it and possibly actually cause you more of a loss than you're making today. So this clearly is not the right route to be growing this company. You know, we do it with B2B companies, we say if the phone rang twice as often for you now with new leads, do you have enough sales guys to deal with that? And they were like, no. And then we sort of say, okay, you've got two options. One is hire more, two is improve your processes. You go and do that and we'll start driving more driving more leads in and we'll see where we are in six
2: months. So that's tricky though, isn't it? Because in a way you're always taking the risk on yourself saying, I've got to invest to get the process right to then get the, the more sales. So, you know, we, we, we grew organically. So for like three, well, two and a half years, we had no adverts or anything. It was literally word of mouth. Through different keto Facebook groups that were saying about, you know, oh, have you heard about this UK keto bakery she guilt free and talking about us, which is amazing. But then when we started ads, it was like, right, we have the capacity now. We've actually saved up enough money from the organic growth that we can now run the ads because we have the space, the capacity to do this. But I think if we'd gone straight in with the ads early on when I was at home, we'd have really angered a lot of customers, not delivered on our promises. Stuff wouldn't be going out for a long time, and you destroy yourself, and it's miserable. So you're right; you've it, you have to build up your process right first. And, I, and what I do is a checklist. So I basically have a list of problems in the business, and the loudest ones aren't always the biggest ones that you have to deal with first. You have to sometimes be quite analytical and say, right, that's our problem. If we sort that bit out, then I can do the next. This leads to a whole new set of things I can do. Um, whereas at the moment, this is going to be an issue. I can't do anything until I sort out that oven. You know, it can be really practical stuff like that. You know, oven turned out this much per hour we can't keep up with that that's not going to work these trays are too small we need to get a bigger oven to get bigger trays to then get then we could get the mixer to then start producing more then we and it's li- literally like very practical steps like that sometimes now mine's a production business so it's a bit different to other people but you'll find there's always you know that list like what is the thing that's holding you up right if you sorted that one problem out what would it lead to next and i think This is why I'm very lucky. My co-director is my wife, Besma, and she's got a very different brain to mine. And I think that really benefits us because she can sometimes see that better than I can and say, so why can't you do this? And I'm like, because I've got this problem. So why can't you solve that problem? Because I've got this other problem. Why don't you solve that first problem? And then you get to your final destination. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I didn't even see that. Like I was looking at the problem only. She was breaking it down and down and down to like actually sort this first thing. And what I've really found is when you're a bit of a one-person band, You can almost have all this stuff to do at once and it's overwhelming. But actually I find productivity is saying no to a lot of stuff and literally focusing on one job at a time until it's complete. And then the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, rather than I'm a bit of a plate spinner, you know, there's about 10 plates spinning, keep them going, keep them, keep, them, keep them going. And actually I found for me, it's been really beneficial with that list. Right. What am I, what am I breaking down? Right. Ignore the other stuff that you've got to do because it's all screaming at you at the same time. Literally focus on this one thing today, get it done. If you've got that done, you're successful. You, That's what you had to do today. If you get anything else done, that's only a bonus, but it's not important. Then tomorrow I'll deal with the next thing that's raised in its head. That's the most important. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, every morning i get in so early and the first thing i write down is the three things i want to achieve that day yes i completely agree but
2: yeah love it, and you, and you actually achieve something by the end of it you can tap you can pack yourself on the back and go that was a good day whereas if you don't this stuff builds and builds where you feel like i've not completed anything here i've just kind of just dealt with it a little bit to not make it such an issue today than it was yesterday that's not good enough sometimes sometimes you just have to go this is the pressing issue this must be fixed today, and then I would have achieved something. Totally, totally, that's, that's beneficial. No, that it's very good. Finally, Dan,
1: I've just had a quick glance at the time, and time really does fly um, on these podcasts. But yeah, I've really enjoyed. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 really I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Great. No, thank you for having me on, and uh, yeah, and I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys because, and particularly Caroline as well, because she did. She was such a monumental start for at the beginning of our business. Like we met her in person you know she she told us some really amazing tips really practical stuff that you need to know not necessarily the theoretical stuff which which you can get anywhere but actually real practical do this do that and that's why we got our 16 percent conversion rate because of her and and it's never dipped beneath eight the last year so you know she really did help us massively in that so thank you for what you guys did that was huge and in all honesty like it's yeah it i feel like i'm on this journey with you guys so thank you for your help you've given to us no much
1: appreciated and just just to clarify i didn't ask him to say that that was (laughs) no but no you're very welcome and i think you know caroline Part of the reason I'm involved, Caroline and I are just absolutely uh, absolutely gung-ho with any business, certainly in the e-com space, to help out and see growth. You know, it's the main thing we focus on, the main thing we report on, that sort of thing. So it's great to hear, Dan. And how can people get hold of you? You know, what's the what's the address to your store?
2: Yeah, so we are deliciously deliciouslyguiltfree.com. And if you go on there, you can see all the cakes and stuff that we do. But also if you want to connect with us, Deliciously Guilt Free on on the Facebook page and also on Instagram. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, which I, I don't know if I can release this, but as this has been recorded on the Monday, tomorrow on Tuesday, my podcast, UK Low Carb, is going to win an award. I've been told about being a finalist and winning, which is great. So the award-winning podcast, UK Low Carb, and that's on podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, all the rest just like this one and um, yeah and you can also con- get in contact Dan at com. so I'd love to hear from you guys.
1: Yeah we'd lo- love to uh, Yeah, love to see the award as well and this will be going out on Friday so for anybody listening it was Tuesday just gone so it would have been a few days ago so that award will uh, will now be out but again thank you so much not my birthday, oh, there you go <laughs> well that's why I said happy day. birthday that's so uh, great. I appreciate it but... <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again Dan as always guys we will be back next week we post every Friday at the moment and um, we've Got two, possibly three more store owners in the pipeline as well. Just trying to pin down dates as always to get them in to record. And after we've done that, we have a, another free guide coming out through one of our partners. I've just booked TrustPilot themselves to be on the podcast to come and talk about building trust. So more to be released over the next few weeks on that. And as always, if you have any questions, go and uh, go and join us on the Facebook group, which is called Winning with Shopify. Chuck your questions on there. People will help you out, uh, answer anything that's going on, as well as myself and various others that are keeping an I on the facebook group so uh yep yeah. so without further ado we will see you again next week and thanks again for joining us on today's podcast
0: sign up for free for the shopify approved marketing course at 1000 sales and and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast thanks for listening to the winning with shopify podcast see you next time